seeking collaborations with influential people, at GZPR, we create passion-fueled collaborations that go beyond traditional representation, a performance agency that onboards new clients every month. Our focus is on POC collaborations. Contact us now at hellogzpr.com, a self-aware public relations agency exploring world perspectives with leading talents. Hello and welcome. My name is Tiffany Farrag and welcome to Get to Know You, a podcast for those who want to open conversations and access deeper dialogue, where conversations can become stronger when we explore our thinking and behaviour. Every Tuesday, a new question will be asked to our guest speaker. Genuine people here to have insightful conversations. A big announcement, a new course has started called How to Get to Know You. We'll be giving away the first lesson for free. Uh, The link is available in the show description. My guest speaker today is an ex-Special Forces 2nd Commander Regiment Sergeant. He spent four years in the Australian Regular Army and then a further 15 years in the 2nd Commander Regiment. He has just returned from from contract work in the UAE where he instructed at one of their Special Forces units for four and a half years. He grew up in Broken Hill and had a country life upbringing, chasing adrenaline early on. Murray began flying at 16 years of age and then joined the New South Wales Police at 18. After a few years in the police force and understanding there was quite a bit of paperwork and little actual action, he departed and joined the Australian Army. Shortly after Rwanda and Somalia, after a further few years in the regular Army, Murray completed selection and joined the Australian Regular Commando Unit where he spent five years performing counter-terrorism duties and then rotating for East Timor and Afghanistan. Murray has also performed bodyguard roles for celebrities and now resides back in the countryside, country south of Sydney. Welcoming Murray Turner to get to know you. Welcome, Murray. Hi, Tiffany. Yeah, thanks. Great intro. Um, it's great to be on Thank the show. Thank you for coming onto the podcast. And you've... No problem. Thanks for yeah, the invite. No, abs- absolutely. Absolutely. So glad to have you on and so glad to have you... Uh, um, so glad to be connected with you from... Uh, from uh, your, from a friend of yours, Brooke. So shortly, you just earlier, you told me you were an also an author and you've written some chapters in Troy's book. That's fantastic. What are these chapters about and how did you get, get a role in this book? Yeah, well, uh, thanks. Um, yeah, good point. So I, I found out maybe 12 months ago, Troy um, sort of hit me up and, and we worked together 10 years ago, 11, 12 years ago, um, did a couple of Afghan rotations together. So I visited visited him last year and you know he's he floated the idea a little bit he's like Mars, hey hang on I'm, I'm thinking about writing a book you know it's going to be based on on uh, pretty much a biography of my life but the main element of it is going to you know highlight my military military service it's going to concentrate I guess on, on a lot of the the work and the deployments that we did um, between the sort of zero nine to zero uh, to 12 2012 time frame where we worked together and uh, Troy was my platoon J- JTAC, which meant that he called in aircraft um, for our all our all our missions. So we had a good chat. He uh, he kept me updated, you know, throughout the end of last year and this year. And we just got talking, and he's like, "Mars, you know, would you would you like to add something?" And and I thought about it, and we discussed, you know, how it would look in the book, I guess, and, and how it would support 
you know, his story and his military service. And, um, yeah, I, I came up with a few chapters just to sort of um, give another perspective on his book and how he operated and we operated together, which was an Air Force, you know, slash combined second commander regiment sort of mission set. Um, yeah, so I'll, I'll put, you know, three or four chapters together and they support sort of his stories and, and his biography. And I've had a bit of a look the last couple of weeks and it's, it's merged together really, really well. So he's done a great job. Uh, Brooke's been co-author um, and I've read her two other books and uh, she's a fabulous writer and, and um, really hits a spot with, you know, um, intrigue and, and spy kind of tactical stuff. And it, it's a great book, um, both those books. And Troy's looks really good as well. So I'm very proud to be a part of that. Um, and that's fantastic. Something to offer, yeah. Yeah, no, that's fantastic. I love that. I love that he 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 wanted to add your perspective as well because it'd be so interesting. Like you're all part of the same kind of group. You're on the same, you know, uh, team, but yet you you could all have such like completely different perspectives of of the, of the situation occurring. That's right. That's right. Of course, we did. You know, essentially the same jobs with the same missions with the same aircraft, but you know, throughout the day or throughout the short duration time on target, different things happen to different teams. Um, and of course, he did one thing, and I, I essentially did other stuff. So to merge it all back into one kind of story was, was actually quite interesting, right? And I, you know, mm-hmm. he understood what I was doing on the ground. I understood. And the importance of having a JTAC and having Troy on target with us to call in our, you know, extraction aircraft and talk to many vac helicopters and, of course, CAS, close air support. You know, he was an integral part of all of that. So um, it, it's really good. And, you know, I look forward to reading, you know, the final product when it comes out next year. Yeah, me too. It sounds really, it's, I'm, I'm quite intrigued and really interested to, to read it myself. No, that's fantastic. And, yeah, that's right. Like, you all have different roles in the team. Like, is it always like that, though? Like, when you have these teams, does every single person have a different role? You don't have teams of people with the same role? No, no, that's a good point, right? And, and you'll essentially have a team of five to six guys, and everybody's got their specialty. Um, you, you know, you've got your scene commander and the two I see who steer sort of the team in the tactical direction, I guess, throughout the day. But you've got your demolitions expert, you know, you've got your machine gun, you've got, you know, your medical support guy. Um, so everybody's cross-trained, of course, um, but they've also got their specialty. So um, you can lean on your medical guy who's got a more advanced medical pack, for instance, and your demolitions guy, you know, if we need to do a wall entry or, you know, a door explosive entry or whatever it is, he's got all those tools and he's got all those explosives sort of set up. So everybody does have a different role, um, but everybody is cross-trained as well. Okay. Oh, fantastic. Okay, so that's that, that makes more sense and that's why you all have such different experiences because you have you know you have your specialty yeah no that's uh super interesting yeah like i uh, i'm super obviously intrigued by your own background with everything that you've done and the amount of years you've spent in this kind of uh i don't know field of of this this field um you know you don't you don't um you don't have the opportunity a lot of you know everyday people don't have the opportunity to just have uh 
you know, have about be able to have, dive deep into these kind of conversations and explore these kinds of topics um, in such a in such a um, kind of more of a, a way of you know. I think a lot of people because Troy was mentioning this to me as well. He's like, if a lot of people just want to know about the shooting and, and, and like yeah, all that gruesome yeah. kind of stuff, it's like, no, no, I want to know about you and your how are you thinking? How did you get yourself like? How did you push yourself to keep going forward? How did you like you know like when you needed to like get back up on your feet if you if you did you feel like you felt fell down mentally how did you how did you get through that that's kind of more of my focus and um and how i think it's more of an uplifting more of an uplifting and um you know uh way of, of having a conversation about this this kinds of uh in this kind of field yeah yeah, exactly, and and you've hit the nail on the head, Rod. It is it is a um, uh, an extreme um, activity, I guess, a, a deployment, a six month deployment. Um, so there is, you know, a lot of of mental um, games and mental um, issues that you fight through, I guess, um, going through that. You know, you do have massive ups, and you do have, you know, unfortunately, massive downs. Um, so throughout a six months tour it, it is it ebbs and flows it's up and down and um you do need to set yourself and prepare you know for a worst case scenario whether, whether it's yourself or whether it's a, a, another team member mm-hmm. um and, and by the same token it, it is it is fulfilling and enjoying in the sense that you've trained for a long time and and you consider yourself a professional you've got you know a hundred different skill sets um you want to put them into practice right so you know you train and you train and you train and you finally get a gig and you get to explore all your skills and put them into practice. So it is exciting in that sense, right? Not that particularly, yeah. you know, um, and chasing and, sh- and shooting at guys and shooting guys you know, is a pinnacle, but but putting yourself into those positions where you're testing your resolve and your mental strength and your physical strength and all these yeah. kind of barriers that, you, you, you know, you can push up to and push through. Um, and, and really understand your limits, your mental, your physical, you know, your fatigue levels. So it is interesting. I'll, I absolutely loved it. Most um, Special Forces guys will say the same thing. You know, they look, yeah. look forward to deployments. They love it. They crave it. That's really interesting. Why? Why do they love it? it it's, it, I guess for me, and I, you know, I think I'll, I'll speak on behalf of everybody, the, the adrenaline rush is, is, is massive. It, it's over the top. It's 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 unbel- It's undescribable. But um, you you know you can't keep that adrenaline rush over six month tour, for instance, which is your deployment sort of um, date, give or take a couple of weeks. But um, the adrenaline rush, even with the planning process, you're talking to different assets and different countries and 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 different soldiers, and, and it's all the build up as well. That's actually exciting, right? So you're talking with the Apache pilots. You're talking with the UAV, the Predator feed guys and their pilots um you're talking with the afghans and you're talking with um you know diff- other different nato nations that were there you know you're deconflicting aircraft and and bullets and and medical assets and surveillance assets so the whole build-up before you even do a job is exciting it's it's what yeah. you work hard for your whole life it's putting all your skills you know it's not just um, the war fighting skills, it's PowerPoint, it's Excel and spreadsheets and Word and all that sort of thing that you need yeah. to bring all together and, um, you know, be accountable and, and log everything down, you know, which traditionally hasn't been my sort of best skill set uh, was PowerPoint. 
and, and spreadsheets, but I got there in the end, I think. Um, nice. nice. But I just love being outside with the guys and doing jobs at the at the pointy end, as I say. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, no. Yeah, no, no, I totally understand and, like, why I understand the excitement behind it. Um, thank you for explaining. Uh, another thing, too, is when you do have those, like, out of curiosity, when you have those mental moments where you have, like, a, a huge dip down, as you say, um, do you find that a lot of the men deal with this themselves or they lean on each other? I think it's a combination of both, and, and that's a good question. Um, you know, throughout your your tour, your six month rotation, you, you need to check on the on the different guys within your platoon, and you, you you come to understand their personalities and what what is missing at certain times. So maybe they're struggling in a particular area. Maybe it's just something happening at home, for instance, right? And the, and they've gone quiet for a couple of days. So you you learn every personality. Um, within your platoon and, and you, you start to understand who's who's struggling in a certain way or, um, you know, they may verbalise it. It's like, Muzz, you know, I'm not doing too well here or I've got some issues at home or bills have stacked up or, or I've got, you know, wife problems or whatever or even if we are over there, it could be, you know, I had a couple of close calls on that last job, I just need to get myself together. So there's a myriad of, of problems and issues that you need to sort of balance and, and juggle quite a few balls at the same time. Um, but I guess I've been fortunate enough, and our selection process is quite stringent in the sense that we, yeah. we, we can weed out um, a lot of the key attributes that don't do well on operations um, throughout your training and your selection processes. And sure For example? I guess... Like nobody wants to wants to be wet, tired, hungry, thirsty, and fatigued, right? So I guess yes. you know I've run a few selection courses, and I obviously did mine. Uh, that was back in '98, and mm-hmm. and that's like a three week block where you belong you belong to the army, you belong to special forces for those three weeks, and their aim essentially is to break you down um, as as much as they can, and all the candidates. So for instance, you know, 120 candidates start the course. Their their concept and the thought process and, and the and the technical data supports you know you'll find the best operator if you break everybody down and and then you start from scratch you teach them you you um, putting through a number of physical uh, and mental tests and then on on the backside of the three week mark you'll get a candidate that's that's been tested um, you know he's been cold for days on end he's he's been hungry he's been thirsty um, he is severely uh, sleep deprived, deprived, deprivation. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, deprived. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. 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 So, so he hasn't slept in days anyway. Um, and all these kind of gates that we want to go through, so that we can highlight any any attributes that the candidate shows that that may be a kink in the armor, right? Maybe a small crack that you think, okay, now on operations with this guy, when it's and it actually really matters, and we haven't slept mm. in three days, and. And these have all happened on operations, so it's not it's not an empty training serial. There is there is um, um, facts on the end of it that show that we've all been through this on operations, where you haven't slept in three days, and, and you're tired, and you're thirsty, and you're hungry, you know, and you're fatigued. So your decision making process, you know, it needs to be watched so you you don't make the wrong decision or look at the wrong map or whatever. So we find that if we if we weed out those people during training, it saves us a a lot of money because it. It costs a lot to train a special forces operator, and B, we don't waste that guy's time mm-hmm. um, or our time on taking him through two years worth of training to find out day one on operations 
he cracks on under pressure, for instance. Yeah. You know, when the rounds start coming back the other way and, and he, you know, curls up in a ball, for instance, for a worst-case scenario. So yeah, nobody wants that. So um, it, and these days it is quite technical. You know, I'm quite proud of our unit and how we developed our selection course and how we kind of um, plug and play different scenarios um, to put people through all those stressful um, 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 training serials, so to speak, I guess, to make sure that we get the best quality product at the end. You know, a guy that's fully trained, has been tested for heights, you know, water, a little bit of claustrophobia, all, all the key key attributes, you know. So he's a, he's a solid soldier when you get him on the end of the two-year training serial and he can go, yeah. you know, the next day to Afghanistan or Iraq or whatever. Sure. Yeah. No, interesting. So it's like a, a two-week period where you test people out. Like it's not about asking them questions. It's about, hey, I'm going to put you in these situations. Yes, that's right. So you're not really, during that initial two- to three-week period, there's no, they don't kind of teach you anything. It's just they want to break you, right? So they want to Yeah. They want to make you tired. They want to make you thirsty, hungry, um, and, and pretty much zero sleep and see how you behave. Um, so from a, from, I guess, a candidate perspective, that's fine, right? You can just close your brain off and just push stuff and drag stuff and get yelled at and get cold, wet and hungry. And, and that's fine. You know, you get you through your, your three weeks and they decide whether you're uh, suitable to continue on to the next stage of commando training where you do learn about stuff and you, you do learn about urban operations and close quarter battle and, and parachuting and roping and explosives and driving and everything else. Um, so there is different phases that test different um, attributes and, and personality types, yeah. Cool. So have you had to ever, like, after you get through the two-week, two, three-week training, people like, you're like, okay, this person's, oh, we're going to let him proceed or... Have you ever had to, uh, like, through the two-year training time, like, oh, no, this person can't do it. Like, I have to, after a year, like, sorry, you this, you can't go any further. You, you're not able to, to do this. Yeah, and, and that's a good point, right? There is obviously people that can, uh, so to speak, cuff it for three weeks and get through it, right? Yeah, and, yeah. And, and put up a front and, and tell you things you want to hear and and um, and pass all the attributes, right? So, what those other courses do is, is they still put that person in a stress. So a parachute course, for instance, you know, three, four weeks down at Nara, jumping out of planes. Um, the amphibious course is quite a hideous course where you're cold and tired for mm. three, three weeks in winter time in Sydney Harbour or Melbourne. Um, and the roping course where you're going off cliffs at two in the morning, upside down, it's raining. You know, there's still a lot of testing um, capabilities and, and things that we can do to the candidates to make sure that, sure that they are good to go. So, sure, a lot of those courses, yes, you're right, we do lose ones and twosies here and there. Um, yeah. The CQB, the Close Quarter Battle Course, is very stringent and very rigorous where we, you know, the end state is you've got gas masks, you've got automatic weapons, and you're going through... Um, you know, a, a house that we would call it, like a clearance house with live live um, ammunition. We're shooting targets close to other assaulters, you know, and there's there's just absolutely no room for error. So um, that's a massive safety um, uh, course for us. If, if they don't show um, that they are safe and they do have, you know, good weapon handling, we do lose probably another, you know, 10% of guys on the CQB course that, A, 
um, have some safety concerns or B, actually can't shoot straight um, under pressure with a gas mask, night vision goggles, um, weight, yeah. you know, sledgehammer on your back and everything else. They need to be able to get targets to resolve a hostage incident, you know. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, Interesting. Yeah. And so what would you do? Like a training period will be, what, 20 men and then, what, you'd lose like five and maybe you're left with 15 men or right. half of that even. Yeah, so um, traditionally a, a selection course, you know, you would scour and, and recruit throughout the regular army for 12 months and, and we'll run one course a year. Uh, same as the SAS in, in Perth. Uh, traditionally they'll run one course a year. So we'll run one course. So so we look for the best soldiers amongst, amongst the regular army and mm-hmm. uh, we'll start with a course of 120 to 130, which is a man- manageable sort of size that we can break down in teams, 10 teams of 10 and 12 sort of soldiers, uh, which we've found works best. Um, so we'll start with, say, 120. You know, By the end of selection, um, we're probably down to about 40. Um, and then throughout the, the next year worth of courses, the AMFIB course, the roping course, CQB, parachute course, you know, you, you do lose a few through injuries um, and that's a shame, but, you know, but they get to sort of um, get fixed through the medical system and come back in at another time. But the mm-hmm. guys that are kind of kicked out throughout that phase for, for being unsafe or, or um, failing on a, a personal attribute at some stage, then they're removed and essentially asked not not to reapply. So we'll lose maybe another 10 to 15. So by the end of the course, the end of the a whole cycle, you may have 25 guys that will pass and come to the unit. Okay. Oh, well, okay. There's more than I thought. Yeah. You know, based on the extreme level of conditions you put them through. Uh, that's not very interesting. So, listeners, the question is, how can your mental state rise during extreme conditions? So how have you found that, like, well, I want to look at both things, you observing other people and then how has it been for yourself? So what mental attributes do you find that, like, helped you rise in during these extreme conditions? Um, like, I, I guess... For me, it's it's a case of graduated training, graduated um, incremental um, pressures and stress that we they put us under. So I guess, um, you know, essentially, I, I was fit when I I thought I was fit when I joined the army. Um, the army, yeah. the army breaks you down before special forces breaks you down. The army breaks you down, and 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 they get sure. you cardio fit, and they get you strength fit. And then I went, for instance, to infantry school. And where yep. they they ramp it up, so you know you've got a, a pack on, you've got webbing, you're doing webbing runs, um, pack marches, so you learn you learn to deal with stress um, and physical exertion um, gradual graduated. So you know by the end of that, you're doing a twenty kilometer pack march, which is very strenuous. You know you're carrying probably twenty five kilos in your pack. So after infantry training, when you go to a regular infantry unit you start to understand um, how much your body can take, how much mentally mm. you can take. Um, so by the time you go to special forces, you understand that's going to drastically increase. Um, and and that's fine, right? So throughout that whole process, and, and that's why I guess I advise people to join regular army for a while before they attempt special forces selection so they can really start to understand what they're getting themselves into, prepare their body, 
And it's not just physically fit. You know, anybody really can be physically fit. You need to be mentally strong as well. Yeah. And understand how far you can push yourself. So physically fit will get you across the line or get you close to it. You know, and, yeah. and being mentally strong and resilient will, will get you all the way there, right? And get you across yeah. the line and beat, and so you're selected. Um, sure. So I, I guess for me, it was it was understanding that you do you do have mental limits, and and times do get tough, and you know nobody likes being wet and and cold, for instance. You know, and that's the, a great equaliser. You can get the biggest, toughest guys on the planet. You know, who talk mm. tough and walk tough. But yeah. in, in the middle of winter time, you take them ten kilometres off Sydney Heads in a in a zodiac and oh, kick them up, kick them out of the uh, out of the boat. You know, put a, a glow stick on the head and tell them to swim to North Head, and you'll see the biggest, toughest guys break down. Yeah. You know, who have a problem with the water or have a problem with the cold. Um, so everybody yeah. can be, be broken. Everybody has a limit. It, it's understanding yours. Um, you know, and how long um, that you can push through that limit, I guess. You know, I've done pack marches for five hours before for training. Yeah. And a five-hour pack march carrying 30 kilos is a is really tests you. It tests your resolve. It, you have to dig deep to get through that because it's actually yeah. quite a fast pace. Um, so, you know, there, there are tests out there that really test your resolve and, and, and make sure that you want to be there and we just don't get a guy that sort of can cuff it on the day and then when we're on operations, it all falls over for him. So ha- having those long, arduous physical tests really pushes people and, and, and makes them dig deep. And, and when they dig deep, they ask themselves that question, do they want to be in special forces? Is it for them? Um, and particularly when we're on operations, you know, there's no, you know, putting your hand in the air and just quitting. Obviously, you can't do that. You need to walk 20 kilometres to get on the helicopter if that's the case. In a dust storm at night time, you know, it's the middle of summer or it's the middle of winter over there and it's cold and it's, or it's hot and you're thirsty. Yeah. And guess what? You just can't stop. Your shoulders are aching. You've got a 30-kilo pack, 40-kilo pack. Um, so you need tough guys that have solved out all their mental problems by that stage and can push to the yeah. push to the next level. Yeah. Wow. Wow. That's that's incredible. So what do you? What are you like? You're in this really. I don't know. You're super cold, or you haven't slept, or whatever. With yourself, what are you saying to yourself? What have you said to yourself in the past, or like in situations? For me, um, and, and that's a really good question. Um, I, I, I think you fall back on a, on a number of things. You fall back on, um, you know, how you grew up and how easy or hard that you had it and, and you can kind of reflect on your current position, whether it is, you know, three in the morning and you're freezing, um, what you've been through before, you know, and that didn't kill me and the chances are that the directing staff, the DS, aren't going to allow me to die because it's a training serial. So, you know, you've just got to remain calm, I guess, and, and think, you know, no, I'm not going to die on this training serial, for instance. So, um, you know, have comfort in the fact that other people have gone through this and come out the other end and that, um, you know, I really want this. Uh, and really it does separate the men from the from the boys in, in times like that. Um, so you, once you understand that you're not going to die, that you, when you make it to the other end, you know, the, the fruits are, are sweeter on the other side of this, right, because you have pushed past, you know, where I guess 80 to 90% of guys don't make it through. So that, that that's kind of a great motivator and 
through me on this selection course, watching guys tap out and, and stop and, and quit, for me, it was a motivator to keep going. You know, I saw big, fit, strong guys that I thought were motivated um, quit, yeah. quit on selection. And, and for me to go another day or another two days and, and keep pushing past that point is kind of a motivator. And, and it, that's, it worked for me, you know, um, in yeah. that sense. Yeah. Interesting. That's interesting that, that that was one of the motivators. That's uh, that's quite interesting. And it's like, and I like that, like you were looking at, look how far I've come. Like yeah. you didn't go to the, you know, you look like, oh, I've come so far. Like that's like, I'm going to keep going. I want to go even further. Like I like that that's like the, your mental, you know, your, your self-talk to yourself. Like that's that's what you that is. Do you know what? Have you you know when you speak with this about this with with your with your fellow your colleagues, you know, is there have you heard of other things that help it motivate people forward that they do mentally in those situations in like extreme situations? No, that's a that's a good point. And we'll often I'd often listen to music. You know, back in the Walkman days, like we didn't have uh, MP3 players yeah. when, when I was <laughs> when I was doing selection. But we had I had music. You know, I I had Metallica, Blair, and um, and, and that got me through all the training serials, but of course you don't have that on selection, right? But you would just start singing, no. you start singing the songs, you know, like nothing else matters through Metallica or whatever you would, you would lean on in those real dark days of, you know, four and a half hours into a five kilometer, in a five hour pack march that you could lean, yeah. lean on something. And I think for me, um, the great motivator was, was going on operations for every guy that's in, um, Australian regular infantry or in special forces, it's all about actually going on operations and doing your job. So you always knew that that special forces would essentially be used before regular army guys um, because of your advanced skill sets. So for me, it was, you know, I want to deploy. Somalia had had happened. Rwanda had just finished. So, you know, um, Iraq one obviously had occurred in in 91. So I knew... Mm -hmm jobs are out there and that Australia one day would be deployed again. So for me, it was, I, I want to be deployed. I want to be in combat. I, I want to taste, um, you know, what, what combat is all about and, and whether it scares me or whether um, I rise to the occasion, I want to find out for myself uh, where I sit on that scale of, of training and, um, and on the combat scale, I guess. Yeah, so that, that's, yeah. that's what it was for me. And when I speak to most SF guys, that, that's what they wanted as well, particularly post 9-11. Guys want to go on operations. They want to deploy. They want to fight for their country. You know, they want to make a difference um, for their own country and feel that they contributed, um, you know, against the war on terror, I guess. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, no, it's super interesting. How have you added, just a little bit, um, looking at this in another, just in another perspective, with situations in in outside of the air force, like in you know living in civilian kind of way, and like during uh, like you know you don't know people who have their own extreme mental conditions that ha- happened due to with traumas and you know so many things that that could be happening with people and to people and you know even with COVID and for a lot of people like for example in Melbourne right now we know they've had over two hundred days in in quarantine, in lockdown, yeah. and yeah. a lot of them are not doing quite well mentally. So, with, and it's been, it's quite, you know, it's an extreme situation for human beings. What are you, like, how do you, what would be your advice to help 
people pushed on this. Uh, that's that's for me at the moment. That's the million dollar question, right? Because I'm, I'm having the same battles. I'm 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 used to um, traveling. I'm used to going to the gym. I enjoy pushing myself. I enjoy suffering to a certain degree, running up hills, running along the beach, uh, being at the gym. Um, so, and, and you'll probably find most guys have got a, who, who are special forces or ex-special forces carry the same mindset, which is what I'm really proud of and what I, what I appreciate about, you know, the US or the UK or Australian special forces is once, you, once you've been there and, and tasted it, it's kind of a lifestyle after that. It's, it's the enjoyment of, of doing things harder and tougher and longer than, than other people. So for me, going to the gym um, ticks a massive box for me and, and, and driving and, and, and going for walks ticks a massive box. And at the moment, we can't do that. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm struggling a little bit, right? There's only so much push-ups, push-ups you can do on the, on the front deck. Um, you know, and there's only so many things to lift in the shed and to push those limits and tick that box on a daily basis. And if you don't, then I think you're going to see what's happening to people at the moment. They start to kind yeah. of, you know, implode or, or, or lash out in different ways. Um, and, and that's a shame, right? So um, sure. that is a good question. I, I don't know what the short-term um, fix to that is. I, I need to find different things to do around the house and different ways to um, test my, myself and, mm-hmm. and, and do, you know, different sit-ups or leg presses or whatever it is. So I guess everybody in their own way is on struggle street a little bit, aren't they? Um, yeah. And, and like the, the I, I, I just hop in my car traditionally, put the music on and go for an hour drive. Um, you can't even, yeah. you can't even do that. Um, so it is a battle, and I don't, oh, that's a good question. I don't know what the short, mid-term fix to that is. Um, I mean, you tell me. You got any ideas? <laughs> yeah, no, that's like that. Like, ah, oh, that's it's an extreme situation. I think human beings aren't meant to be, you know, isolated. Aren't meant to be, you know, not made to move and, and venture out into the world. And you know, we're meant to be moving all the time. We're meant to be connecting with other humans. We're, you know, we're meant to be moving our bodies. We're not meant to be in, in close spaces, exactly. in small yeah. spaces. So, no, like, I, you know, what I think is is good in a sense is that, you know, most Australians or a lot of Australians have backyards. They have the ability to be outside. Um, I know with the, in, in Europe and I was locked down in Spain, we were, I was in like a a small basement, you know, apartment that's really and dark as well. There was no light coming in the house. Um, so, like, and, you know, there's a backyard and things like that. Um, but it was pushing me. But I, And I think what you said there, like, finding new new ways to do things, new novelty, new experiences, like, you, you, like I think that's one of the best things to do. Like, uh, I started, you know, this podcast just, like a month earlier before I went into lockdown and I was able to still connect with people and that was super important for me. I need to be connecting with people, new people. Like I like meeting new people. I like hearing perspective. I like, you know, doing different activities with new people. So like I I think, you know, as you were saying, like trying different ways of, 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 you know, pushing yourself physically, um, and mentally as well. Like it's like, okay, this is I feel like, you know, I, I can't maybe I can't listen to music and go for a drive, but I don't know. 
I can listen to music and maybe ride a bike in the area or something like that. Yeah. Go for yeah. a bike ride. But it's like it's definitely like it's not easy. But I like I think it's like a moment of I got to try new things. I got to try this. I got to try that. I got to just you know I just got to keep trying new things in the space that I have. Yeah, yeah, you're right, and you have to try new stuff, and you have to force yourself to try new things. And I guess the complexity of of army guys is um, that we are used to operating with with massive adrenaline. Um, yeah. Pumps, right, so sure. um, coming coming back from Afghanistan and living a regular life before COVID was kind of you you, you had to really concentrate and, and put all your effort into you know trying new things and trying to civilianize yourself, I guess, right, back to regular society. So that was that was difficult enough when you could go to the gym and when you could go for a drive and a walk and mix with people. Um, since all this is kind of locked down. Sure. It's added an extra layer of difficulty and and complexity to the whole, you know, get out and get amongst it thing that um, yeah. army guys have traditionally found it hard to do. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, of course, like understandable. And like, is the main that main aspect of it the physical? I I, th- I think it is for me. For me, it's physical. It's it, it's like an hour a day when you can just sort of kind of switch off. Um, you know, put some hate music on, get in the gym, and 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 you know, just smash yourself for an hour. Where um, you know you don't have to think. You can you can just kind of lift and fatigue all your muscles, and you walk out of there, um, and you feel better. You feel because um, you know you've tested yourself. And for me, that's important. I need to feel that I've I've you know suffered throughout a day to a certain degree. So I feel that I'm still. Still have capability for me. I can still respond to whatever happens in the street. I can still protect my family, um, and, and doing that for me is is um, is important. Um, so when you can't do that, you know it really sort of plays with your mind a lot. Yeah. Sure. Is this a thing that you do daily? You daily pushing yourself? Yes, it is. It is, and I'll you know it's off. Often I'll look back and like I haven't had a day off from the gym, for instance, pre-COVID. For, for two or three weeks and you're like, wow, you know, I'm, I'm getting old, sort of older by the mm. day, obviously. I need to just check myself and have a day off. Um, yeah. But, it, but, it, but that's hard. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm quite proud of the fact that I, you know, I still work out and, and my, most of my muscles and my joints are still pretty much in working order, a few knee and elbow um, problems. Yeah. But for SF guys, I'm quite actually well off as far as, you know, everything working. You know, a That's lot of guys, a lot of guys my age have got back and shoulder and knee and feet, ankle problems. So I'm quite lucky in that sense, where I can still kind of kind of run and 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 do whatever. Yeah. Wow, that's really good to hear. Now you're thinking like, oh, I should have got a home gym or something, right? You're like, I should have bought all these things <laughs> to push my, like, prepare myself next time. I, you know what? I wish somebody like told me. You know, like if someone told me this, is what would happen? I would have like. I don't know how you'd prepare for it, but you do something. Right, that's that, that's a good point. We did. I bought one a year ago and then sold it three months ago. I thought, oh, that's it. COVID's uh, done. We're we're on the downhill stretch now. Oh shit! Oh, so no. I offloaded it, and here we are again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh no, no, oh no. Yes, yeah, so oh, <laughs> well, that's that's 
It's one shame that you sold it. But I am quite I am quite lucky. We're in a friend's property on like a farm. So, you know, I've made a sled that I can push up and down the hill. We've got the horse yeah. in the front paddock. Oh wow. There's a oh, couple, nice. couple of dogs and chickens and stuff running around. So even stepping outside ticks a lot of boxes. We're lucky in that sense. We're not oh, cooped, beautiful. cooped up in an apartment in the city. You know, I feel for those people. Um, so we, we're kind of lucky in that sense and I appreciate it. Yeah, no, that's fantastic. I'm glad that you have that ability to, to be, you know, have that space outside and, and have the animals as well. Like I think animals will make a big difference for you too. Yeah, yeah, they do. You're right. No, no, that's fantastic. Before we spoke to you, you were talking about how um, with uh, football, we're saying a team, uh, NFL, um, that the the coach was asked you to push his players. Yeah, yeah, that was that was an interesting training, Cyril, uh, a couple of years ago. I won't go into which club it was. Uh, occasionally, yeah, different sure. clubs will look look for the edge. Um, yeah, and I guess it was at the end of 2012. One of the clubs approached the unit. Um, and the coach, who's a really nice guy, he, um, me and him sat down and the unit agreed that we could put his, his players through a training serial for, you know, as long as he wanted. And I think it turned out to be about five days. And, and I'm like, you know, what are your objectives? What do you want out of this? And he's, yeah. uh, you know, we went in, I guess, quite deep. Um, you know, he didn't want his players to lose good muscle and good weight. We wanted to fatigue them. We wanted to... Um, you know, upset their sleep cycle. We, we wanted to give them enough nutrition so their, their muscles were active and, and kept majority of the bulk, but really test them in the special forces conditions that we spoke about. So it's, you know, the, the lack of sleep, the food, the water, um, and more importantly, being cold and being just, you know, messed around hour after hour after hour for day, mm. after, day after day. And I guess you know when you're when you're talking about NRL teams and talk about Olympians and so forth, like the the difference between I guess like gold and silver is very small, isn't it? It's very micro. So mm. you're looking for the extra one percent to get your team across the finish line, and and looking for something different that maybe teams or players or whatever haven't tried in the past. So that's what he was after. Um, so I organised those five day training serial, um, and then I did a handover. I wasn't actually there for the thing, but it, I ran the same serial a year later for the remaining players that come on throughout the next year and the junior mm-hmm. junior team, and um, it worked really well. It, you know, and um, he got so their coaching staff, you know, got to see us pushing through um, like two days of no sleep and then doing like a pull circuit and a push up circuit, and to see those those mental attributes that he hadn't kind of really seen before. His, his team was fit. We got it. But he wanted to see who would break under extreme mental and fatigue conditions. And, and that was interesting. Some players sort of rose to the top that we didn't think they would and, and other players that you thought were outstanding leaders actually, you know, you know, didn't rise and they kind of folded a little bit, so to speak. So, um, you know, they went on to win a premiership a, a couple of years later um, and, you know, hopefully we had something to do with that where, you, you know, uh, we took them to the next level. So they, they you know, embraced the opportunity um, after the fact. You know, they said it was great. They they really found an element of themselves and, and a level that they could push to they never thought they could before. Um, and, and I guess, like I said, they were, they were physically fit, of course, right? So 
we, we want to mentally play with them a little bit and, and you could do that through lack of sleep and, and being cold, uh, cold and wet and, you know, and, and pushing trailers that have only got one tyre and rock and roll music, keeping them awake all night and, you know, getting them to sort out brown rice and white rice. We'd pour it all together in one big pile and just kick it around and they'd just sort it out for the next four hours, you know. And, and Wow. This- this is stuff we do do our own soldiers, of course. Um, yeah, with an end state in mind. But this was this was quite funny to watch. And and at the end of it, you know, they said it was great. Of course, at in in the moment, they wanted to kill us. <laughs> sure, um, sure. But uh, yeah, it was it was a good integration of army and and NRL. Yeah. That's super interesting. That's super interesting. I I like that the play, the people were saying that they it was good for them and they felt great after that. When you when you do find you push you push through these extreme conditions, do you find there's there's like there's a sense of growth that you have that you experience as a person, and there's no like going back from that. There is, there is. There's a a new bar that you set for yourself, in my opinion. There's there's a level that you know you can push past um, and and keep going. And I guess I can reflect back on it. And most guys in, in, in my sort of subunit at work um, can, can attest to the same thing where we did a job in Afghanistan in 2010 where it dragged on for five days. It was supposed to be like an 18-hour job and through um, us not being able to be extracted because of the dust storms, it kind of dragged out and we were low on ammunition, low on batteries, low on water, low on food. Um, and by the end, we were low on morale as well, I guess. Um, but it really, it, it, it tested you and, and we've been through it before in the selection process. So you knew that the bar was quite high and that you could push past, you know, all these adversaries that were in front of you and that, so what, I hadn't slept in two days. You know, I did that on selection or, you know, we're under extreme stress and we're getting shot at every day. You know, so what, we've been through this before. So you're right. By, by setting a, a bar and keep increasing that, um, you know, you get... That's where you find your personal growth. It's where you find limits you haven't been to before, you know, and, and that's where as a, as a person you want to do, right? You want to continually grow in one form or another. Um, so, yeah, I'm quite proud of, uh, of our selection course at the moment because it does set guys up for, for future operations in their personal life. And these are skills that people take into their professional life if they leave the Army, you know, or, or their personal life, I guess, right? Um, yeah, yeah, that's interesting. I, I'm, I'm just out of curiosity. I don't know. Are women doing this too, or only men? Say again. Are women also doing this, or only men, like applying for special forces? No, no, good point. So we did have. Um, it's gone around the block a few times. Uh, I'm not quite sure where we sit at the moment. I think it is open to women. Um, they had a test case um, six or seven years ago uh, with a couple of women that applied. Um, I don't know where we sit at the moment as far as, you know, legislation or, or the way that the ADF sort of the army looks at all of this. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Okay. In, yeah, interesting. Um, would you would you recommend people to do this, just everyday people to like, you know, I don't know, there'd be some kind of course out there for just us and I'm like, okay, and it would help us, you know, it would help, it would push growth and things, even for like two days or three days or something like that to do this, something like this. Uh, yeah, and, and and that's a good point. There is the, so there is companies out there that do team and company bonding sessions, which um, generally go for the two to three to four day mark. 
you know, so you'll get the executives of Commonwealth Bank, for instance, if I do pick someone. Um, so they would send them on a, on a four-day training serial. So um, there's a number of private companies that, for instance, might take them out to the Blue Mountains and, and they'll put them through some roping activities, um, um, you know, canoeing, um, and then start to, uh, I guess, involve difficulties. So, you, you know, the, the, the leader or the, the second in charge has got to stand up and, and, and you know, pick a course of action and, and um, delegate who does what. And, and they shift those positions around, of course, mm-hmm. and, and, and they make it strenuous and, and start to increase the pressure. So um, not necessarily to any particular breaking point, but just to, for them to understand that they can push themselves further than they have before you will encounter difficulties in that environment and as well as your professional life back at, you know, wherever that is. Um, so, you know, it's not the end of the world if things go south. You can you can take a tactical pause, you can sit down, you can reflect and you can come up with a course of action to get yourself out of whatever mess you're in. And I think that's the objective is, is you know, don't throw your, your toys out of the pram, Come up with a course of action. You've got a team that relies on you. You need to be solid. You need to you need to stand up and act like an adult. Um, so I think those short duration training serials are actually quite good. Um, mm. But I mean, I would recommend every, anybody, of course, to to join the army. Right? Um, I'm trying to talk my son into it, but he he won't have a bar of it. But um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I think it's great. You learn a lot of discipline. You learn to keep your, your room neat and tidy. You learn how to make a bed, all that sort of stuff, that basic stuff that actually matters later in life, right? Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, interesting. I'd like to, like, I'd like to know what – I'd like to be put in this kind of extreme condition just for a few days and just see how far, like, how, I, you know, how much – I could grow from it. I'd, I'd actually really like to do that, um, based on what you've, you know, spoken about in this in this podcast with me. So thank you so much, Murray. This is just like opening my eyes, and I'm just like, oh, I'm so intrigued, like super intrigued by all of this. And um, as you know, I love to ask my uh, guest speakers at the end of each uh, at the end of each conversation, like, how is this conversation with me right now, talking a lot of these things out loud, uh, made you reflect or highlight anything to you? Um, good point. Um- I, th- I think it, in, in general it's good to reflect back and, 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 and look at, you, you know, the progress and the growth you've made as a, as a human and, and as an adult. Um, so I think, you know, even talking about stuff like this, and a lot of this I haven't spoken about in years, right, because you kind of people around you take it for granted what you've done and what, what, what you've seen and where you've been. Mm-hmm. So I think it is good to, you know, take a pause occasionally to reflect back on stuff like this and, and like through Troy with his book and, and me having a little bit of input into that. It is, it is good because it was, a, it was a massive part of my life for so many years and, and to reflect back on it and, and get some learning points out of it from time to time I think is, you know, important. Absolutely. So do I. Thank you so much for sharing all of that with me and being open and vulnerable to, to express all of that. Um, thank you so much, Murray. Where can people find you? Um, good point, Tiffany. I'm, I'm pretty low profile at the moment on, on my social okay, media. Sure. On my social no media. worries. Um, like I'll, I'll push Troy's, Troy Knight's book, which is going to be a ripper that will come out in or about on April uh, 2020, 2022, which is Havoc 06. Uh, and that's all about the JTAC um, environment and how we sort of supported Second Commander Regiment overseas throughout our operations. So, yeah, if I was going to push anything, it, it's his book, which is a river. <laughs> <laughs>
they'll enjoy oh, it. That's so lovely. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to Get to Know You. If you enjoyed this podcast, rate, review, and share the podcast on Facebook or Instagram. You can tag me at Get to Know You with Tiffany Farrick. In my mission to open conversations and access deeper dialogue, I want to hear from you listeners. The question again, how can your mental state rise during extreme conditions? Leave an audio, video, or a message on the Facebook or Instagram page of your response to today's question, including your name and where you are from. We'll include some different responses in next week's Get to Know You Cafe to further deepen dialogue on this topic. If you have any topics you would like to discuss, be sure to tag me in a post with your question. Join us every Tuesday on Get to Know You.